What's up, AHC Nation? We've got a special treat for you this week. As all of you know, because we mention it in every episode, our Patreon page features a separate show outside of Asshole Court called Conspiracy Court. We thought it was only fair to share a sliver of some of what our paid subscribers enjoy every month to all you freeloaders out there. I'm kidding, your support is all appreciated. It's actually going to be a double dose of Conspiracy Court for you, all wrapped into one download. The first episode is our take on the conspiracy that Mattress Firm is a money laundering front. If you've never thought of it before, don't worry, the internet did, and it sparked some interest a few years ago. It was definitely a fun episode to record, so we hope you enjoy it as well. In the second show, we cover the conspiracy that Walt Disney was cryogenically frozen. It's as far-fetched as it sounds, and it was also a very fun episode to record. I know you'll enjoy that one. Don't forget, you can get on the fun too and enjoy the AHC Podcast Patreon page at patreon.com slash AHC Podcast. Yeah, it was a really fun uh, group of episodes to record for us. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. The Mattress Firm one really caught me off guard. And uh, yeah, we're really excited for you guys to hear this episode. Absolutely. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the first of two Conspiracy Court episodes. There are so many questions we have in everyday life that go unanswered. Why do we drive on parkways and park on driveways? What was the best thing before sliced bread? And perhaps my favorite question, but one that was answered in one of the finest films, Joe Dirt, why are boobs good? The answer, because they just are. But there are some questions that the general public will seek to find an answer to, and the fucking awesome internet that we know and love will help do just that. If you've ever had the pleasure of buying a car or a mattress, you probably know that you can most likely drive to one general area and you'll have your pick of about five different stores to go to. Makes sense, right? Go to where the people and your competition are. But it's hard to make sense of one company that will put four to five locations within a few miles of each other, right? Well, that's just what one company has done, and it's raised the eyebrow of the internet, and we now have a full-blown conspiracy theory. Most conspiracy theories are abstract. There's nothing really to see, mostly just ideas to believe. But this one, well, it's right in front of our faces. The conspiracy we're going to discuss today is the thought that Mattress Firm, the company, is a front for a money laundering scheme. Sounds crazy, right? But when presented with the evidence, this theory has begun to gain some steam over the years, throwing some corporate bookkeeping mishaps and a few lawsuits, and well, boys and girls, we've got ourselves quite a conversation. How does a company react to an accusation like this? Why do they put so many stores in such a small area? And why the fuck does a mattress cost so much? We'll dive into this and more. In this episode of Conspiracy Court. Alright boys, let's get some pre-show scores for the believability that Mattress Firm is a front for a money laundering scheme. Buddy, what uh, what do you got? Alright, so for me, um, you know, I, I had never heard of this on the front end. I think I saw a an Instagram reel about this girl who was talking about it and she was like, in my hometown, and she didn't name her hometown, she kind of like blurred out the name on the mm-hmm. map. She was like, there's like eight of them within like 
each within like a mile of each other. Right. And you know how it is. Like you don't know what the way that people are on the internet these days. You don't know if you're actually, if that's true or that's something that's just been doctored up. Photoshop is really easy and prevalent these days. Yep. And everybody's trying to make, you know, just a name for themselves on the internet and get clicks. So, you know, I, I never really thought about it much more after that, but I'm glad that we're doing the show here today to kind of bring a little bit of light to it. Before I did any research on it, I would have to think that, you know, I, I didn't really believe this. You know, I would actually have to rank it, you know, on the not believable side of things. Um, but then, man, I started doing just a little bit of research on it. I just even just like looked at within a 15 mile radius of my house uh-huh. yeah, and driving in pretty much any direction within 15 miles of my house. There's 14 mattress firms. Yep. Is it specifically mattress firm or just mattress stores? No, mattress firm. Okay, cool. And there's like a couple like mattress firm uh, like outlets or like overstocks gotcha. or something like yep. that. But I mean, I still put that all under the same umbrella. Sure. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, I was like, well, you know, we're in Atlanta. That's a, that's a highly populated area. You know, maybe let's look at I've got some family in Raleigh, Durham. So I kind of mm-hmm. just did a quick search in there. Mm-hmm. And there's 20 within just the Raleigh, Durham area. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, let's do a little bit more research. And then I looked into like Dallas, Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. There's like 20 of them in Dallas, Fort Worth. Go over to San Francisco. They've got two stores that are literally half a mile away from each other yeah. on the same street. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So yep. even just on surface level, like I'm already starting to become a believer. But if we're looking at pre-show, I have to, you know, go with what I did before I did any kind of research on this. So for me, right off the rip, I, I would say that, you know, I, I wouldn't really believe this. You know, I think that mattress firm is just, you know, a store that, you know, would buy mattresses doing the research afterwards. Yeah, I, you know. But on the front end, I would say that I didn't really believe this, so I would have scored it that it's not false, and so I would give it a 10.2. But, man, I have a feeling my score is going to plummet by the end of the show. Okay. Never so. know. All right. A 10.2. For Buddy, Mikey, what do you got pre-show for Mattress Firm? Okay. Uh, so the interesting thing to me is that it's it, this is a fun one. I just, like I said, I love this concept so much because it's, touchable by all of us all of us have been to a mattress firm all of us have at least driven by it driven by multiple mattress firms to be honest (laughs) not even realized it yeah and uh yeah when when someone said brought that up on i think it was reddit the first time i ever saw it it did feel you're like that is it's a strange thing and it got me thinking uh about a story that ProPublica had done about i guess it was like five or six years ago and they were talking about all the t-shirt shops that were in Myrtle Beach. Sure. All the the standard like beach t-shirt shop, yeah. right? You go in and get whatever spring break 2022 yep. spray painted, right? Exactly. Or, you get airbrushed, airbrushed on yeah. there. And it's and th- those stores always have a massive footprint. They're gigantic. Yep. Yep. They're like two stories tall and they have a bunch of uh shitload of inventory. They have a ton of inventory, a ton of different items. They're like tower records on the beach, you know. Yeah. And there's yeah. like five of them that are like literally within a couple miles of each other. And again, you're like uh I, I guess, you know, people like tchotchkes or whatever but they found out that uh, the ones in myrtle beach were absolutely money laundering outfits that's what they were doing yeah it was fascinating and when you think about it from a business side it does make sense because you're like there's an easy way to tuck in a ton of extra money extra sales in there to launder money because it's you know four thousand t-shirts uh small constant i guess transactions and uh yeah it, it made perfect sense there was a lot of tourists this weekend. Y'all just had a hurricane. What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, you can, like I said, you can't really track it. You know, you're like, all right, whatever. A lot of cash purchases. 
that's fine. So also the other side of that is um, Starbucks. Like we've the, the joke back in the late 90s and the early 2000s was that there was uh, four Starbucks on every corner. Right. Yeah. And it's true. There were there absolutely were. And there was a reason behind that. There was actually a business model. Uh, which Naomi Klein talked about in the book No Logo, which is uh, called like cannibalization. And they would open up three Starbucks, knowing full well that one, if not two of them, was going to like go out. Yep. But it was going to take enough market share to wipe out that independent coffee shop. Goodbye to all the mom and pops. Correct. Hello, Starbucks. Yes. And that was literally their model. And you're like, that's dirty as fuck, man. But it doesn't mean that they're laundering money. It means that it's, you know, maybe they're cannibalizing smaller businesses. They poked fun of that in one of the Shrek movies where uh, they had the gingerbread man walking out in the beginning, kind of like wrecking havoc on the town. Yeah. And everybody in the Starbucks was like running out of the Starbucks across the street into another Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's true. That's, it was always a joke. You're like, there's one like right across the street. But there was there was a design to it. It was nefarious, certainly. But also like a lot more people are buying coffee every day. That are buying mattresses. Yeah, for sure. So with that being said, uh, I, I'm going to split the difference here, man. I could really go either way on this. I'm going to rate it a 5.5. I didn't do much of a uh, dive into this. I was really excited for Randy to uh, illuminate me about this whole thing. This was uh, awesome. actually, this may be the most excited I've been about a conspiracy. Nice. Good. Get ready nice. to get your ass illuminated. Okay. All right, Randy, bring us home. All right. So pre-show, you know, honestly, I didn't know a lot about the conspiracy itself on the surface i had heard of it right like mm-hmm. it was a thing on reddit right we'll kind of get into that a little bit about how this whole thing kind of peeked into you know the public eye but i again i was kind of on the fence didn't know enough about it to really make a great call on it so i had it a 5.0 okay pre-show again interested to do it glad i did yeah. so all right with a 10.2 from buddy a 5.5 from mikey and a 5.0 from randy The conspiracy theory that Mattress Firm is a front for money laundering scores a 6.9 pre-show. All right, 6.9 is going to put it just above Havana Syndrome and just below Princess Di. Okay. Was she murdered, so. Yeah. Yeah, interesting territory. It's because she figured out the Mattress Firm scandal here. They killed her for it. That's exactly right. Yeah, you got to silence it, no matter how high up the chain you are. Mm -hmm. Awesome. You guys ready to put this thing to bed? I am. Yeah, let's do it. So, for a conspiracy to gain any traction, most of the time, there has to be some levels of believability and coincidence that fuel the idea. The mattress firm money laundering conspiracy theory really started to take shape after a popular Reddit comment that was posted January 22nd, 2018. I remember it. The top voted reply under the comment claimed, surprise, mattress firm is owned by Steinhoff, which is currently embroiled in a money laundering saga. So, let's not sit here and act like we're all so fucking smart. We know exactly what money laundering makes up. Uh, The name does do it some justice, so just think about what you're doing when you wash your clothes in the washing machine. You're Mm -hmm. laundering it. Money laundering is the illegal process of making large amounts of money generated by a criminal activity appear to have come from a legitimate source. In theory, the money from a criminal activity is considered to be dirty, and the process actually launders it. For criminal organizations, money laundering allows them to use their ill-gotten gains effectively by introducing the money through legitimate financial systems. Money laundering generally involves three steps. The first step is placement, which is putting the dirty money into the legitimate financial system. Then money is layered, which means the source of the money is concealed through a series of transactions and bookkeeping tricks. 
Finally, the money is integrated, meaning the now laundered money is withdrawn from a legitimate account and can be freely used. Yep. Hence the t-shirt shops. That's Massive exactly amounts right. of transactions, yep. a lot so of think cash about deals. What, yeah, think about what Mikey explained in, the, in his intro versus what that... That's exactly yeah. right, yeah. As if you watch Breaking Bad, they were literally talking about like the best thing to do is buy a car wash or an arcade, a place where there's a ton of tiny transactions yep. that are hard to track and you can certainly uh, juice those numbers very quickly and move them through. Yeah, Polios Hermanos, that's the right. chicken shop. That's, that's what right. you know. That was the first one in that series. That's so. right. Hmm. Yeah. Surprisingly, money laundering was not illegal until 1986. Now that is fucking shocking. Yes, but I did not know that. Really? Before then, only a few financial security laws had been implemented. After the Reddit comment popped up, a story quickly followed, and there were allegations that all reportedly stemmed from the idea that real estate brokers and property development companies paid mattress firm insiders bribes and kickbacks for artificially inflating rental rates on leases throughout the country. See, even better. That's where it gets really tricky, too, because it's not just, oh, the the retail transactions. It's in, oh, well, we're going to go ahead. You can build out. You can actually, in, uh, construction is another great way to do it. So sure. exactly right. So we one of the things is, why are there so many stores? Well, from if you're the guy that's in charge of developing new stores mm-hmm. and you're getting kickbacks from every store that you build, you more build, stores and more kickbacks. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of one of the general the general thoughts behind all of this. Right. The company says in its suit that it isn't entirely to blame. The two executives allegedly conspired with a real estate broker in a bribery kickback and fraud scheme to push the retailer into expensive locations based on phony sales forecasts. According to the suit, Bruce Levy the former head of real estate, and Ryan Vincent, a former vice president, let the broker, Alexander Deitch, oversee deals in half a dozen states and front-run some of them, tipping him off to the next outlet's location so he could secretly buy it himself while reaping millions in fees. Yep. Didn't so, we hear something like that? Yes. With yeah. the, um, it, was with, um, it was with Jerry Falwell Jr. Yeah, that's exactly right. They knew where they were going to go build. Yeah. You tell somebody where they're going, you buy all the land, yeah. and then you make a shitload of money. It, it's it. classic from Chinatown, the movie, when, which is about a detective in the 30s and, or 20s in Los Angeles, 20s and 30s, because they were figuring out like water rights for Los Angeles or whatever. Now, you can also do it in Florida, like when they were figuring out, or really anywhere where there's like highways. If you can get the tip off on where this highway is going to be, you yep. purchase all that land. You get a kickback for letting that information out there. You purchase all that land. The highway gets built. The The value of that property goes up immensely. You you sell it off. So many ways, so many, a, a million ways to skin a cat here. It's That's amazing. Right. Yeah. In return, Mattress Firm claims Levy and Vincent got diamonds, a Roger Dubois watch, European vacation, and stakes in other real estate deals. One Florida property allegedly came complete with a yacht. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So they were getting major kickbacks. Yeah. If you ever watched uh, Boardwalk Empire, that was one of the the sh- uh, sort of the the plot lines. There was Nucky w- went down to Florida or whatever, and they were working out a deal like that because there was going to be like a high or a road, a state road built through yep. there or whatever. And they were all aware of it. They were all going to buy the property and. Yeah, it's that's. I mean, you ever wonder how politicians get in there and they don't? I mean, politicians don't make a lot of money, but all of a sudden they're all millionaires. Yeah, yeah. The, the, that knowledge is very valuable. Very valuable. Yeah. To think that this kind of stuff doesn't happen all the time is just crazy. Yep. Bribes and kickbacks are nothing new, and it's not just confined to the big wigs and the CEOs of companies. One of my wife's friends growing up, her mom was a single mom raising a couple kids. She was getting by, but then over time, things got real good. Like, way too good for an accounting admin or whatever it was she was doing. Once the new Porsche showed up, 
eyebrows were raised, and long story <laughs> short, mom went to prison for helping the boss wash a bunch of money. Yeah, I was about to say, it was, it was either that or she got a new uh, gold necklace that said with a pendant that said embezzlement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like I said, it's not just the bribes and kickbacks that had people talking. There's another reason that many just can't wrap their head around. Why the fuck are there so many mattress stores? Yep. Consider the largest specialty mattress retailer in the United States. Mattress Firm has an estimated 3,272 stores across the nation. And according to the data startup Thinkum, almost half of those stores are within a one-mile radius of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which isn't, like like you pointed out initially, it wouldn't necessarily be strange because like car dealerships do the same thing or Absolutely. whatever, you know what yep. I mean? So you do have sort of like, oh, let's create a hot spot where people mm-hmm. come and... But you get like one Ford dealership, one Honda dealership, one Toyota Correct, dealership. not mattress firms. Yeah, firm, six mattress, mattress firms. firms. Yeah. yeah. And then on the flip side, like, how long have you guys had y'all's mattresses for? We Too bought long. Our, we bought ours like five years ago and it was a process. Sure. But how long did you have the bed before that? Too long. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, yeah. I think we've had ours for about 15 years or something like I've that. I've honestly had uh, my mattress longer than I've had cars. Yeah, exactly. You should get a new mattress every seven to 10 years. They say that. They also say that you're three months of your salary for a diamond ring right. for an engagement uh-huh. ring, and they can all fuck off. And you should uh, change your oil every 3,000 miles, yeah. too, now, if right? it's synthetic, we can do five, yeah. but yeah. Shit. I do like 10. Till do my, you really? My car will tell me when it's ready. Okay. Yeah. And it the Hondas like, will do that. It was like 10, Mine does tell me, but I'm still sort of stuck in that 5,000 because I know people that have <laughs> not changed their oil, and that oh, yeah. will limit the life of your car very quickly, so for I'm sure. like, eh, you know. Plus, I get a car wash with it, so it's Ooh. yeah. All right, it's the only time my car gets washed. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that. But I mean that comes back to it. it's like we usually keep our beds for anywhere like ten to fifteen years. Like eh, at least car dealerships, or at least cars, you're kind of switching them out. I mean, hopefully they last ten to fifteen years. Yeah. But and like you said, you know, you have to choose them between like one of three different places, not yeah. fifteen of the same. That's right. Yeah. So kind of going back to the number of stores, for example. In Sharerville, Indiana, there were five branches of mattress firm within a mile of each other. Yeah, that's crazy. Reddit users were baffled at the need for that many stores since people don't buy mattresses that often. A product that is typically bought every seven to ten years and actually become to be known as a grudge purchase. Not a lot of people get excited about buying a mattress. You don't get that great Instagram moment from buying the perfect mattress. It's true. People know they can't blow it off. They know they got to spend a lot of money on it, but they don't want to. It's just not fun. It's like tires. That's right. It's a grudge purchase. Yeah, it's a durable good, but it's I I would put it in the same category. It's actually I take the I was gonna say it's the same category as like a refrigerator or something like that. But no, the refrigerator feels better for some reason when you get a new one as opposed to a new mattress. Maybe even though the mattress is probably more important. Yeah, I don't know. I I like buying the new mattress or at least the feeling that I get from it because I mean. We watch a lot of TV in the bed. We, you know, hang out in the bed a lot. You know, you sleep in it every night. And so we put a lot of research into it. And when we, you know, finally pull the trigger on it, we're we're happy with that purchase. Oh, so. for sure. I just wait till I see one in my neighbor's yard on trash day. There you go. <laughs> and I'm like, that one doesn't look too peed on. It's a good one. This thing's not bad. You know, I don't think it's like the buying of the mattress. It's the process, right? It's yeah. the process of going to the store. And if we ever do a major purchase, we don't ever buy from the first place we go to, right? Of right. course. You go, you check out what they got, you go bounce around a little bit. You may come back there, you may not, but it takes all fucking day. Yeah. You know, it's like buying a car that's going to take all day. Yep. Just the whole process in general, just not enjoyable. Well, that, and then also because it's a purchase that you make with your spouse. Yeah. And so there's, everybody has different, it seems like uh, almost invariably, uh, the, your spouse will have a different sleep 
choice as to you. Like you like a stiff mattress, they like a soft one. You like a soft one, they like a yeah. stiff one. And so then you have to sort of like compromise and there's a lot of thought process that goes into it. And it's almost like a business deal. This is going to last us 10 years and we have to sleep together. Uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's stressful. That's where sleep number came in. And we're like, yep. right. you can have half of your bed be whatever sleep number you want. Yeah. Your wife's or, you know, your spouse's side, have yeah. whatever number they want. And then you have the, the, the joy of the purchase price the equivalent to a Honda Accord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesus, what just happened here? Yeah. At the height of the viral conspiracy theory, then CEO Ken Murphy denied money laundering claims, calling it absolutely false. He explained to Business Insider that our convenient locations and highly trafficked areas keep us top of the mind when it's time to buy a mattress. But but I want to go back to that town in Indiana that I've never fucking heard of. Sherriverville. Yeah, I just want to know, do you know what the population is? Uh, I don't, but we're actually going to have to talk a little bit okay. more about it. Good. All right. Well, I'm glad we're going to get into to this because that's what blows my mind is I get uh, 20, in, uh, 20 stores in Dallas. There's a fucking ton of people in Dallas, Fort Worth. It makes sense. I don't get why you'd have six stores in like buttfuck Indiana. There you go. On December 6, 2015, the Times of Northwest Indiana, giant paper, published the headline, Mattress Firm Now Has Five Stores Less Than a Mile Apart. It reported that the ubiquitous mattress firm now has five stores in eight-tenths of a mile at the border of Sherrillville and Highland and six within a 2.5-mile stretch along Indianapolis Boulevard. The newspaper also noted that three of the Sherrillville locations were not originally open as mattress firm stores. Rather, they were from the company acquisitions of back-to-bed and bedding experts. Only okay. two of the five were open after 2018. That makes a lot more sense then. Yeah. That one is okay. Also, Sherrillville is that, that, now when you it said... It sounds Indi- like it's near Indianapolis. I was going to say, it sounds like it's a suburb. Yeah. You tell us Indianans. Is that what you, we call you? In, Indi- Indiana Jones? Indianans. Yeah. Indianites. Yeah, Indiana Knights. I've just all I've seen is is your state from about forty thousand feet. I don't <laughs> I've know. been to Indy a few times. Have you? Yeah, yeah, makes sense. You know, I did a little bit of research on um, Birmingham because that's close to us yeah. in Alabama. It's Atlanta Junior. Pretty yeah, much. exactly. And like over the spread of about twelve to fifteen miles along one highway, Highway Thirty One, and maybe a little bit off of each one, but not by much. They had nine or ten mattress firms and this other place called beds express but b-e-d-z-z-z express okay but like i mean it's like a rap album (laughs) (laughs) beds express y'all yeah Yeah, y'all but yeah within 12 to 15 miles they had nine or ten of them Eh, just that's a lot yes it is furthering the conspiracy theory in the past couple years mattress firm has been on an acquisition spree and has acquired rivals such as sleepies and sleep train as one redditor has commented, <laughs> it's so many rap albums here. Sleepy's uh, is a, is the album by Scissor Sippin, a rapper. We're gonna run that bed train That's on it. you. Yeah, right. the sleep train. The, yeah, we're gonna run the sleep train on you. As one redditor has commented, multiple stores equal more places to shuffle money. So remember that CEO telling us to make sure we keep mattress firm in mind when it's time to go through that memorable experience. When you spend all day just to spend $3,000 on something that at some point is sure to start an argument. Well, two days after giving that interview with Business Insider, Ken Murphy announces resignation. Peace. Mattress Firm is asked about Murphy's resignation and the fact that the company later filed for bankruptcy. A spokesperson explained that Mattress Firm declared bankruptcy in October 2018 in an effort to restructure its debt, obligations, and strengthen its balance sheet and optimize store footprint. 
As part of the restructuring process, the company took necessary steps to ensure that we are well positioned for the future, including optimizing our store fleet by closing 700 underperforming or duplicative locations. In the months leading up to the bankruptcy and since emergence, there have been several leadership changes to provide fresh perspective and key expertise in areas that will be the foundation of the company's next phase of growth. So was this? Isn't that a very PC answer? Of oh, it is. The it's, CEO it's, and, and claiming BK. It's corporate as fuck, but it also made me think that to some extent, like I think a lot of people, like when you think about your parents when you're a kid, you assume that they are like on top of the game. They know what's going on. Uh, and a lot of times that's just not the case. Yeah. So all of a sudden imagine that like you're on the board and this becomes a huge story. They're like, it's so bad that they think we're laundering money, Ken Murphy. <laughs> like, <laughs> can you explain to us? And then he's just uh, like, I quit. No, the whole, <laughs> he says, I'm done. He, out. he goes to the board uh-huh. and he's like, well, it, it's like a, it, we're paying uh, millions of dollars for billboards <laughs> essentially. And they're like, yeah, get the fuck out, dude. And also, we're going to start shuttering everything. So, again, possibly either way. Right, right, exactly. But like our late great friend Billy Mays said, but wait, there's more. Hooray. Not only have the insider fraud and an obscene number of stores raised eyebrows at the mattress maker, some of the business dealings around the company has also raised suspicion. In 2009, mattress firm sued its former in-house vice president of real estate, Gary White, along with a Texas area developer and a flooring company. The retailer accused the trio of padding up to an extra dollar per square foot for every new mattress from store and remodel job from 2004 to 2008. The total contracts amounted to more than $36 million during the course of the scheme, mattress firm alleged. Whoa. 36 million square feet? Yep. In God. stores over a four-year period. That's a lot. That's a lot That's of a square, lot of square that footage. That footprint is fucking yeah. monstrous. Yeah, 3,200 stores, it said. Oh, Total yeah. now, you know. I mean, it, it's capital intensive initially, but also once you open one of those stores, you need like one manager there. Here's That's exactly right. We'll talk a little bit about it. Okay. But the markup, and we'll dive into it a little now, the markup on mattresses mm-hmm. is insane. I think yeah. they said it's like 300% or something wow. like that. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's a, a lot of... I mean, when you just look at the cost of what it takes to actually build a lot of stuff, you know, my wife was in a manufacturing business mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff that they made, like it really it, with raw goods and the people working on yeah. it cost them 300, but they were turning around and selling it for 3000. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people get sort of like sidetracked by looking at like materials costs, but they're not accounting oh, yeah, for you all the pay overhead. For that building, the person, yeah. the yeah, insurance. 100%. The, yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, these toothpicks, man, they literally, I can make it a million of them for a dollar or whatever. But you're like, well, you also have to have the machinery. You yeah. have to have the employees to run it. So sure. it gets, it gets a li- that, that it narrows the margins a little bit. Sure. So going back to the initial Reddit comment about Mattress Firm's parent company being embroiled in a money laundering scheme. Mattress Firm is owned by Steinhoff International, the second biggest retail furniture company in the world, right after IKEA. It was started by Bruno Steinhoff after he moved to South Africa from West Germany. But the name to remember is a guy named Marcus Juist, who used to be Steinhoff's CEO. He juiced the numbers. That's right. Until everything went haywire, Steinhoff was one of the biggest companies on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. They employed 50,000 people in South Africa. Their top executives spent lavishly in public with yachts and expensive cars and wine. Nobody in South Africa seemed to care until December 5th, 2017, when Juiced resigned completely out of the blue. Turns out, Steinhoff may have been brushing some financial irregularities under the bed for years. 
South African police allege fraud and is facing probes from regulators and investigators around the world. It's accused of years of financial fraud, and when Juice resigned, it triggered the biggest collapse in South Africa's corporate history. Hmm. When authorities investigate the company, Steinhoff itself had hired auditors to look into the apparent fraud and the company to track down who did it. There are also questions about the taxes it did or didn't pay. In the middle of all this, back in August 2016, Steinhoff made what looks like an incredibly stupid move. They bought Mattress Firm for $2.4 billion, more than twice what the company was worth. Ooh. That happens a lot more than people realize. Yep, though, it sure man. does. I Doesn't mean, it look good, though. No, it certainly looks it looks Especially bad. for a company undergoing like fraud investigation. No, it's very true. And the thing is that it could totally be intentional, right? It could be nefarious, yeah. or it could be... A lot of times is you'll see these companies that will, they, uh, anytime like I'm looking at uh, a stock purchase or something like that, and I own the stock and they, they make an acquisition, you'll start looking at it and be like, okay, did they pay too much for this company? And let's see what's up. I have a, a prime example of this company out of Nashville that they end up buying uh, Nutrisystems. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, cool. Is the company that owns like they did silver sneakers, which is like a um, sort of a gym membership set up for like older people. And they were like, oh, cool. Some synergy here. We're going to do, uh, you know, we're going to bring on Nutrisystems and they're a great company and blah, blah, blah. Well, Fast forward two years later, they're like, fuck, we paid like way too much for oh, it. No. And then so you have to write off under the, the the balance sheet. It's called goodwill. You're like, all right, well, we're going to go ahead and, and just wipe clean a billion dollars for this purchase because we mispriced this. Mm, yeah, and sure. it happens a lot. In, in fact, in terms of like uh, equity investing, a lot of people get very scared whenever acquisitions get made that are like major because they're usually not right. Yeah, <laughs> somebody yeah. got the better end of the deal. Yes, yeah. and it's usually because they're they're pitching them, they're pitching their company. Yeah. So you're like, oh, it makes perfect sense. But so that doesn't throw me off all that much. But it also could be a way for them to tuck extra money into different deals. So. That's right. Yeah, sure. And right after Steinhoff made the purchase, Juice had a big falling out with one of the major suppliers of mattress firm, Temper Sealy, which hurt both companies' sales. Temper Sealy is even suing Mattress Firm now for selling a mattress that says sounds and looks a lot like Tempur-Pedic. Ooh. So it sounds like some shady accounting with a bankruptcy thrown in the mix. It doesn't appear that they've had to launder money. They have the problem most of us do. They don't have enough of it. Yeah. 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 They, they overextended. Yep. And, and that's, now that's they're reeling. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Murphy was just like pitching it all day. Here's the thing, guys. <laughs> if they see five of our Mattress Firms, they know to go to us. And they're like, there are other forms of advertisement, Mr. Murphy. <laughs> other than building a fucking yeah. store. Huh. But we own the real estate. Yeah, okay. Let, let's run it. I just trust Mr. Murphy. He seems like he's got his shit together. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> shit. So what's the real reason behind all those goddamn stores? Mattress Firm's stated premise strategy is called relative market share, one expert says. So they want to be the leading market share player in any given local market so they can drive economies of scale in advertising as well as distribution. They're essentially trying to be your first choice when you're buying a mattress by being your only choice. So you kind of talked about that with the cannibalism of Starbucks, right? Yeah, yeah the right. Starbucks you go model. Coffee in a town where there's only Starbucks, yeah. guess where you're getting coffee. Yep. Over the last 10 years, they've been buying out regional chain after regional chain of mattress sellers. It doesn't cost much money to keep the lights on and pay staff. After the chain bought Sleepies in 2015, they controlled more than 25% of the mattress sales in the country. So wow, pretty, a, pretty solid market share, share right there. Mm-hmm. One article I read with a direct response from Mattress Firm themselves, a spokesperson provided a lengthy response in regards to the number of stores. 
We recognize that having stores in close proximity may seem unusual and that it's true sometimes it doesn't make financial sense at first glance. The explanation of money laundering has somehow developed and amusingly become a cultural folklore over time. However, it is absolutely not the reason why we have so many stores. Here are the facts. In the early 2000s, mattress firms set a goal to become the first border-to-border, coast-to-coast specialty mattress retailer. To achieve that goal, the company internationally grew very quickly over a span of nine years through acquisitions and organic growth. As part of the acquisition of several competitors, sometimes with multiple acquisitions in a single market, we inherited existing long-term leases for store locations. Many of these inherited lease locations happen to be near our existing store base. Once the stores were rebranded with Mattress Firm, a shopping center with two different competing mattress stores took on a new look. So yeah. I'll cut it up a little bit here, but so that part makes sense, right? They dig sure. on a huge buying spree. And if, yeah. to your point, if you're buying up all the ones in a town, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, of course. That you're buying out the competition and now you own all of the different stores in that area. Well, and uh, like like I was saying, honestly, if, if, you, if you're purchasing those stores and you're assuming that you're willing, that there's going to be an attrition rate, right? Like you're going to lose a couple of those stores or whatever, but you own the real estate so you can sell it. And so yeah. it's not a total loss. Or whatever, and then also then you you've consolidated that market, mm-hmm. and there's what's called LTV to CAC, right? Which is lifetime value to cost of acquisition, right? And uh, that's what they're looking at. So it in terms of does it mean that they did this correctly, or like that they were right about what their their uh, assumptions were in, in their model? No, but it also doesn't mean that they're laundering money either. Yeah, it makes sense on paper, but yeah. whether or not it was executed correctly. Yeah, and they talked about the long-term leases that you inherit, right? So if you buy a company that has a 10-year mm-hmm. lease, it may be more cost-effective for you to transition that to a mattress firm store than pay the lease buyout. Correct. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. And there's smarter people than us that can do that math and say, yep, this one's a con- this one's a flip, this one's a sell. Yep. You sure. Know? So. And then yeah. it turns into almost like a storage facility if you need it to be or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And also, don't forget, there's a lot of uh, people that are incompetent and they're just like, people are just like, well, that's your job to figure it out. We're just going to go ahead and just trust you on that. And they're like, yeah, this lease is good. This should be fine. (laughs) The quote continued, we're committed to optimizing our footprint and ensuring we continue to provide our customers easy, convenient access to our products. Similar to coffee shops, fast food restaurants and gas stations, our store placement is based on factors including population, income and drive time. It's critical for us to invest in real estate and highly trafficked intersections and shopping centers in key markets to maintain visibility. So in actuality, sometimes it does make financial sense to have stores in close proximity. As for Sherrillville, Indiana, circumstance with five stores within a mile, the company spokesperson said the two remaining locations in Indiana are in a shopping area that front an interstate in a highly traveled state route. This means they both attract local and regional customers. Depending on the consumer's traffic pattern, one store may be visible and convenient than the other. When the company was asked if it could provide any financial records of the stores mentioned in the meme, the response, the company does not disclose financial information or performance data about individual stores. Adding that, the company continues to see positive growth and profitability in 2021 when the interview occurred. So, and that appears to be true. Mattress Firm's gross and operating margins and revenue and sales are in line with its competitors indicating it is indeed a legitimate business. Uh, its gross margin was 37% in 2016, operating margin 6% after spending 24% on marketing and sales. Its rival, Select Comfort, had a comparable operating margin statistic of 6%, stemming from a gross margin of 62% with more marketing and sales expenses. Uh, so Mattress Firm also acquired less revenue per store than Select Comfort, 
Uh, if it was money laundering, the stores would obviously surpass their competition in number of dollars per store. Well, Possibly. yes and no. Possibly. Like I said, the the in fact, it's almost a little weirder that it's matching other competitors so so closely because it's the the people that are paid to cook these books. Uh, if they are right, then certainly aren't going to like you know let the secret slip here. They're not going to show you behind <laughs> the curtain there. So. They're going to figure out ways. And when you get into understanding um, how financial statements work and stuff like that, there's a fucking ton of ways that, that companies can hide things, oh, and move sure. things around or Absolutely. whatever. I, I read an entire book on how to read and try to find companies to short based on looking at like tricks that they're doing. There's like uh, some tricks that are fairly common or whatever. But a lot of these people are really good. And if you focus entirely on like this is our entire operation is to launder money then they're gonna get those guys yeah. and you'll never see it on the balance sheet until something happens yeah. so somebody gets disgruntled or they make a mistake somewhere along the yeah, way yeah yeah or they just like i said a, a situation like bernie madoff in 08 where all of a sudden like he couldn't justify those numbers anymore when the entire market collapsed and everybody's just like yeah no 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 these numbers don't make sense anymore and you're still start, like putting those out there. Yep. So, you know, when you're looking at balance sheets and financial statements, it can tell you a you lot. Can, but you can almost make it tell you whatever you, you want. Can. Yeah. You can. Yeah, and and the, the goal of any investor is to figure that out. Yeah. So. so mattresses are also very lucrative because of their large markups. So stores only need to sell a few to make a profit. The number of mattress stores in one location likely resulted from the rapid expansion and any stores that cannibalize sales will be closed. Through the location and number of stores, the legal problems, and the suspicious acquisitions all point in the direction of money laundering. Mattress firms' profit margins and other business metrics show that it is decidedly not. Uh, so what is Mattress Firm up to now? In 2018, Mattress Firm did file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and closed about 700 stores. With the rise of the direct-to-consumer companies like Casper, uh, especially Casper, they've mm -hmm. sold $100 million worth of mattresses. Yeah, purple um, and... Yep. Yeah, sure. Uh, there's like an avocado mattress now, yeah. or something like that. Like they're just getting their market share destroyed. For sure. So, mar yeah, exactly. Mattress firms finding it harder to compete. COVID nineteen also caused them to temporarily close their stores and lose tons of sales. However, the company said it's not pursuing a liquidation and instead is restructuring the business in order to provide greater value to their customers, open new stores and new markets, and improve their product offering. Yeah. And that, PR. boys, is the mattress firm money laundering conspiracy. Yep. Yeah, I love all their PR shit, man. That's so, like, fucking boilerplate and annoying. Yeah. But yeah. I, it, it all sounds like that. You know, that's what you have to... Absolutely. Whenever you're, like, looking at a company to invest in, like, the one of the things I do, obviously, first thing is you go through the financial statements, kind of look at the company and what you know about it anyways, and then you read the earnings calls. Mm -hmm. And my fucking God, those earnings calls sound like that for about 45 minutes. <laughs> so I usually just bump past all the management talk and then jump right into the questions that come from investors, right? Oh, wow. Like, from, from the banks that own nice. the stock. And they're like, hey... You know, we're noticing this. If you could put a little color on what's happening here in your fourth quarter, that's where you really start getting the goods. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's funny. It's that that shit, man. It gets old after a while. We're trying to uh, optimize our footprint and everything yeah. like that. Um, yeah. So let's get final scores. Let's go. Let's see the believability of this, buddy. You want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, right. So from everything that I heard today, uh, it there was no no smoking gun that really kind of pointed towards a money laundering scheme i mean it seems everything that you said makes it seem very plausible that they are on the up and up and doing what they're supposed to be doing you know it sounds like they are kind of doing the starbucks cannibalization thing where they're just kind of going in trying to buy up all the competition maybe not all the competition but just try to 
make it so they are the first person that you think about in the market just either by driving by everything every day so that way when it comes time to buy a mattress you're like oh yeah let's go to the mattress firm I'm, you know that's just already imprinted in your brain so um yeah no um i think that i like where i originally had them off at the 10.2 mark huh? there's right. nothing that kind of made me think hey there's something fishy going on around here yeah so uh, I'm going to keep it short and sweet and keep them at a 10.2 okay. as a final conspiracy court score. I like it. I like it. Mikey, what do you got? Okay. Um, so, you know, just it's funny because when when we're talking about this, it just brings up all these companies I've looked into previously and how stuff works. And to, in my mind, uh, the odds are is that this is just a poorly managed company that had access to uh, a boatload of capital because right. of whatever, hence the acquisitions and hence the acquisitions themselves relay into having massive amounts of stores because, like I said, you, you, you can't just buy the companies and close them down totally. They're going to try to maximize their footprint in areas or whatever and then be willing like to deal with an attrition rate at some level. Um, Mr. Murphy, Ken Murphy, uh, sounds like he fucking screwed the pooch <laughs> and, um, it, it wasn't uh, great. Uh, that, that being said, it maybe it's still not like totally insane. We're not talking like birds aren't real territory, right. but I am going to bump it up. They do sound just like a mismanaged company, a company that's, uh, that's dying out. Maybe they'll get some luck if they're, if they can get publicly traded and go the GameStop or the AMC route, uh, you know, get yep. some, <laughs> some, uh, some, some bandwagon support there, but <laughs> I don't see mattress firm existing in, in 10, 15 years, really, at, at least not at the scale it is now. So, not with the online game. No, yeah. no. There's too many. Like I said, they're just getting their their margins. We away. bought our last mattress from an online mm -hmm. deal. Yeah, my parents did too. And I mean, like it came in a very thin package compared to what I thought it would be. But yep. it was all just you know vacuum sealed. Vacuum sealed yeah. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, ours was we. It wasn't like a custom bed, but it was a company that made it and shipped it. And yeah, yeah. it's like sleeping in my driveway. I love it. Yeah. And my wife got um, like a special egg crate for her topper. Side. Yeah, because it is. It's really stiff and really hard. I love it. It's good for my back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh -huh. and don't forget, uh, I was online way before, but it was offline, just hunting for mattresses in my neighborhood. Much easier <laughs> that way. Uh, you know, try out a couple. They're out there constantly. I right? also try couches, desks, whatever there is. You know. uh, occasional dryer. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, no, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bump it up. I'm gonna go with a seven point five. Okay. Uh, it's not totally insane to think that they could be laundering money in some fashion but mostly it sounds like a mismanaged company that's uh on the uh far end of its uh of its lifespan i guess sure randy bring us home all right so you know i'm kind of splitting that difference and thinking about it as well there is definitely a chance there could be some illegal i won't call it money laundering because i don't think that's the right illegal phrase that's technically being you know taking place mm-hmm you know, or skimming or something like yeah, that. Yeah, whatever. Like those guys were, they ripped 36 million bucks off of four years. That's, you know, pretty significant. Well, and uh, they got hit up for it. They too. did get hit up for it for sure. But, you know, I'm probably going to go with like an 8.2. Okay. Really random. But yeah, I think 8.2 is mm -hmm. about the believability of this one. Okay. Sure. And I mean, like, I think it plays into like what we see in here time and time again where you see these big companies and you think that like they've got just really good people running the oh, yeah. show. And, uh, you know, you peek behind the curtain and you realize it's just a bunch of dumb. Well, a lot of it, too, I think, is egos, right? Yes. You have people that come in and they are good at what they do. Mm -hmm. And the expectation is that they are going to generate profit, yep. bring in good numbers. 
And because of that pressure, it might turn you to do something illegal. And that well, is that, probably what happens yeah. a lot of the time. Well, that and also like there is in, in terms of being on like a board or in an executive level and making these decisions. Investment wise, like you're sort of held to quarterly standards and mm-hmm. you have to have like a long term plan or whatever. Well, what sort of muddies the waters anytime is acquisitions. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you can sell that. You're, you're selling the dream at that point. You're like this is what we're gonna do, and the numbers can be a little fucked up because you're like, well, look, we're gonna we're gonna acquire some debt to do this, but here's why, right? Like I said, again, going back to the company I dealt with that purchased Nutrisystems, and it even made sense to me. I was like, oh yeah, of course, that's you know peanut butter and chocolate situation. Uh, they're gonna have old people go to gyms, and they're also gonna be able to market them like Nutrisystem stuff. Nutrisystems is a proven company, blah blah blah. But I didn't get to see like the guts of that deal necessarily, so I was sort of relying on them making a smart decision. And ultimately, it proved wrong, right? They had to go ahead and write off like a billion dollars and be like, this, well, it, it wasn't worth that. But in a, a billion bucks in publicly traded companies is yeah. a huge deal. But I think it's sort of the same thing here. And then these guys that get that to that executive level, like there's two different types of management. One is that they're like shareholders and they actually are treating it like they are part of the company. And then there's people that are basically like, uh, they're like renters. They just come in, they're an executive for this company for like five years, they're yep. a board member, That's and right. they move on and they're just like, we want to make numbers look good. I want to get my paycheck and I want to get my stock options and I want to fucking roll out of there or whatever. It's very, very common. Yep. Yeah, this sure. is not an insane story if you look at a ton of companies. So. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right. With a 10.2 from Buddy a 7.5 from Mikey, and an 8.2 from Randy. The believability in the conspiracy that Mattress Firm is a front for money laundering scores a final conspiracy court score of an 8.6. All right, 8.6, just a tick above, was Princess Diana murdered, and just below is the Bermuda Triangle real. Yeah. It's about that level of believability. Bermuda Triangle still feels a lot crazier. Yeah. There's a lot of boats and planes out there. (laughs) For what reason? (laughs) Who knows? Math. Awesome. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Conspiracy Court. Uh, We're getting around the holidays. Make sure you tell all uh, your friends and family how much you love listening to us and encourage them to give our shout a listen, a review, and hell, come join us on Patreon. We love you guys. Thanks, as always. Be kind to one another, and we'll see you next time on Conspiracy Court. Man, that was a fun one to talk about. Who would have thought that a single Reddit comment would have started such a stir? Yeah, that's insane. Like, I was all in. Like, I was like, yeah, 100% money laundering. There's just it, there's there's just no way that it can't be. And, uh, yeah, I was just shocked. Yeah. You know, all, at the end kind of it. fell apart. But, I mean, I guess I can imagine that the internet takes something like that and runs with it, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that's the beauty of the internet. That's and, right. But, I mean, they had a little bit to go on i mean when you have like four stores or like eight stores within like a two mile radius or something like that it's weird to the eye it absolutely is weird yeah up next is the conspiracy court show about the idea of walt disney being cryogenically frozen yeah we know it sounds fucked up but there were some folks during that time that were toying with the idea man if i had that much money and just was like eh, maybe like (laughs) right i mean I guess why I'll give not? It a whirl. Yeah, I'll put my name in the hat. You know, if, I, if life is going really good for you and you've got more money than Jesus, you know, like <laughs> why not give it a whirl? Hey, it's not an all-out assault on Disney, but we had a great time. Enjoy. When you think of Disney now, it's probably in the polarizing context that literally everything is these days. 
It's either a great inclusive family brand or it's a Marxist woke sleeper cell that's trying to convince the world that totally not real things like mermaids can be black too, which is bad for some reason. I don't know. Or maybe you're like me and don't think of it as anything other than a company with an insanely overpriced theme park in the swamps of hell that also puts out huge movies and TV shows featuring entitled teenage brats with shitty haircuts to match their attitudes. But whatever you think, there was a time, not all that long ago, when Disney was just a man. A thin-mustachioed, chain-smoking, anti-Semitic man of bankable artistic talents. What Disney the company has become was born out of the squishy brain matter of a somewhat unassuming guy that was born at the turn of the 20th century in Chicago. What happened at the end of that life cycle, though, is what brings us here today. For as long as I can recall, floating in the background of the Disney lore, there has been the rumor, the conspiracy, if you will, that upon his death, Walt Disney had his body dropped into a vat of liquid nitrogen in order to preserve himself for a time in the future when science could reanimate him. How true is the story, and where did it come from? Grab your dumbass Mickey Mouse hat and your $30 hamburger from that Disney World restaurant shaped like Cinderella's pimped-out pumpkin wagon as we dive into this oddball tale of a man's potential quest for immortality on the latest episode of Conspiracy Court. So before we get into preliminary scores, we want to give a shout out to our boy, Daryl, Daryl Chassie, Chass, Chase, I don't know, Daryl, you tell us what it is, it's C-H-A-S-S-E, for the show idea, he hit us up on, uh, you know, on Patreon, where all you guys are listening to this, and he was begging for a uh, conspiracy court that wasn't high-minded anymore, he wanted the funny... You know, uh, absurd ones, which it's it's time for one of those. So this was one of his suggestions, and uh, it's a great one, and it's also uh, timely because the Disney shit just won't stop. They actually just sued Ron DeSantis today, which is hilarious. Wow, oh, really? It's true. <laughs> and, from, and I read an article that said there's a rumor that it's coming to Atlanta. Oh, I've seen see articles to Georgia. Like, yeah, yeah, I thought I've seen yeah. articles populating my feed saying that. Man, I don't care for that at all, but right. it's okay. <laughs> yep. As if we don't have enough traffic as yeah. is. Yes, yes. So good on you, Daryl. Chassis or Chase? Or Chase? Yeah, well, Daryl. I don't know, buddy. Chase, Chase the chassis. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Well, you're a super fan, and we appreciate you. So, with that in mind, let's go ahead and get to preliminary scores on whether Walt Disney froze himself after he died to be reanimated later on. Randy, what you got? All right. So I believe this will be a pretty good tall tale. I knew I had heard this rumor kind of going into the show, right? Didn't know much about the detail around it. I know the timing of like, I didn't, I don't know enough about when cryogenic freezing became a mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my first thought was like, did he die long ago enough for this to even be a thing? Right. Um, so that was the one question I had. I think if it were more had more validity to it, it would be more well known and kind of a thing. Sure. I don't know anybody that's cryogenically frozen that I like off the top of my head. There are definitely like, people that are, but yeah. I, I don't know who they are. Yeah. Yeah, no. I've only I only know of three examples of it, and it's the T one thousand and when he was frozen. <laughs> was accidentally right. though, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then he melted out of it too because there was a he fire. got hit with a shotgun. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's not the way Disney wanted to go, I don't think. <laughs> There was uh, the time that Homer Simpson put Grandpa into a cryogenic facility. 
That's it was, right. Yeah, it was cheaper than putting them into a nursing home. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, he went that route. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the third one is um, in Avatar, the movies, to get to the planet Pandora, they have to go into cryo because it's like a seven-year trip. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. Buddy also doesn't know anybody in real life. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Your step-parents are dead. <laughs> Awesome. So again, kind of a tall tale. I, I I'm thinking this one's going to be around Bigfoot, right? This has the same yeah feel to it sure. as uh, the Bigfoot tale that we told. Yeah. So uh, my initial score, I'm going to give it right at a nine point eight. Okay. In terms of believability, match it up with uh, is Bigfoot real? That's right. Bullseye and the Bigfoot on uh, Disney being a Frozen Man. And buddy, what do you got? All right. So for me, um, I think that this is an awesome episode. Uh, I, I love diving into this kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, like Mikey said in the intro, like I seem to recall, like there's always the lore of Walt Disney being cryogenically frozen and, and anti-Semitic. I know you mentioned that. And yes. Yeah. Turns oh, really? out a lot of those guys around that time were people in, the early 20th, yeah. people in the early 20th century, pre-Nazis. Yeah. You know, there's still a lot of that stuff going around now, but they were uh, they definitely wore it as a badge of honor. Now, I was reading that because I wanted to make sure when I dropped the line that he was anti-Semitic that I wasn't just totally off base. Right. Not totally off base. I think if you're a Disney fan, you could argue that that wasn't totally the case. But uh, it was literally a month after uh, Crystal knocked when they all smashed out the Jews stores. He hosted one of the Nazi uh, elite uh, at Disney and stuff like that. Ooh. Or not at Disney, but at his studios. So I'm like, that's close enough. I'll call yeah. you anti-Semitic. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I'm not 100% sure on this. I know, I, I remember seeing the movie uh, Saving Mr. Banks or whatever. Okay. And uh, that was supposed to be, um, what, Tom Hanks playing Walt Disney. Uh, I've never seen it, yeah. And it's a really good movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Mm -hmm. um, but I do remember him uh, being very eccentric and almost like doing anything that he could to get the park to be where he envisioned it. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me that he would go for this. Yeah. I'm like, I'm with Randy though, a little bit here. I, I don't know when cryogenics was uh, developed. Mm -hmm. So like that would be the one thing that like, I don't know if it was available at the time. Right. Um, but I think that he definitely had the money and would have done it. Mm -hmm. So uh, taking the timeline out uh, of it, I'm actually going to go on the opposite end and uh, go a little bit less than splitting the uprights, and I'm going to give it a 5.0 on the believability. Oh, wow. All right. And uh, I, I think he's somebody that, if it was available, I think that there's a possibility he did it. So okay. pre-show, going 5.0. All right, buddy. Bold move, 5.0. Mikey, first thoughts here. Uh, and Yeah, he does strike me as the type of guy maybe that would do it. From what I've read, he's pretty eccentric. I haven't really dug in too deep on Walt Disney other than just Surface level stuff about him hating Jews. Uh, I'm just, I'm just kidding, sort of. Um, but he, uh, I don't know. It's an absurd story. It's uh, right off, like on its face to me, it's absurd, and it feels very much like uh, Marilyn Manson removing a rib to suck his own dick, right. or that he was Paul from the Wonder Years, or what other Marilyn Manson themed uh, conspiracy there that there is. Um, so I now I will say also, if I was uh, older in life and I had the money to do it and I was terminally ill, I might freeze myself. Maybe, maybe that. But what if they, when they wake you up, you still got cancer and you just die right soon thereafter? I'll have a note. Don't wake me up until you can cure my cancer. Ah, DNR yeah. until you cure cancer. Yeah, All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so we're, we're going to start a GoFundMe page for our Patreon fans to freeze Mikey. <laughs> Whenever I get terminally ill, which hopefully isn't for many years, but it could be uh, as soon as next week because God knows, who knows what's going to happen. I am going to score it at a 10 
It is absurd to me. Oh, y'all are lame. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With a 9.8 from Randy, a 5.0 from Buddy, and a 10.0 from Mikey, the believability in the conspiracy of Is Walt Disney Frozen scores a pre-show conspiracy court score of an 8.27. All right, 8.27. It's going to put it right in between the 6.82 score that Are We Living in a Simulation show had and the show Was Princess Die Murdered came in an 8.58. So in between those two is where we lie pre-show for the believability that Walt Disney is frozen. Nice. Heavily skewed by Buddy's vote. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Are you guys ready to pour a tall glass of Walt on the rocks? Sign me up. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Nice. Love it. So this story will not begin with a brief biography of Walt Disney. You, dear listener, are already familiar with Disney to some extent, although probably in a strange way. Close your eyes right now and imagine Walt Disney, and odds are that you're visualizing Mickey Mouse, not the actual flesh and blood man himself. (laughs) He's as much a myth as he was an actual person. But myth or not, Walt Elias Disney, uh, like I mentioned uh, in the intro, was also a fucking chain smoker, not unlike a lot of men of that generation. Yep. But by the mid-60s, the packs and packs and packs and packs of unfiltered (laughs) cigs had really started to take its toll. By late 1966, Disney suffered from COPD and emphysema. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can't breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Disney's staff apparently recognized his presence in the hallways without seeing him, uh, rather uh, by hearing his hacking dry cough. Oh. <laughs> oh, here comes Walt. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, got a cigarette for me. I don't know if he did the, the goofy voice. He did do Mickey, though. Uh, imagine Mickey Mouse hacking up a lung, and it's a little bit funnier, though, I suppose. <laughs> Additionally, he'd fucked his spine up pretty bad in a Hollywood polo tournament back in the 30s, and he still struggled with that injury 30 years on. Did he, like, fall off the horse, I'm guessing? I think so, yeah. That yeah, sounds about right. And if there's ever a sporting event, I wouldn't mind seeing massive injuries to players. It'd be some sort of celebrity polo tournament. (laughs) Imagine watching a full gallop collision between Kanye West and, I don't know, anybody. (laughs) Imagine it being Shaq. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, that's just satisfying. (laughs) Or, you know, it'd be really cool is like celebrity jousting. Oh, hell yeah. Like Kanye West and Pete Davidson. Yeah, oh, you know that'd, be I mean? good, that'd be yeah. a good one. It would be good. Yeah, that'd be great, man. And obviously, Kanye would be the Black Knight. He would go <laughs> that route and absolutely would, would do it. Would, but, you know, it would have to be like D-list celebrities because you just pay them. Or just get holographic with it and do like Tupac versus Biggie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, Celebrity though. joust match. Yeah. You know, like I mean, celebrity death match. You could get Greg Brady or somebody like that right? to possibly joust for like 100000 <laughs> Anybody want to put some money up on that? I think we got an idea here. And if you here. did it, you know, safely like they do at the Renaissance Fair, where nobody's mm-hmm. getting killed, but yeah. maybe somebody gets hurt. Yeah. So. <laughs> Kanye would take it a little bit too far. No, no, there would be regulations. They would have the, it would be, we may joust with the crutches they'll have to use later. <laughs> Jesus, joust. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Anyways, back to chain smoking Walt Disney. Early November 1966, Disney complains of severe neck and leg pain, so much so that it's affecting his ability to work. Was Walt getting drunk after work and wrestling staff, getting choked out and putting figure fours until his old feeble frame broke down? Of course not. (laughs) He had lung cancer. Uh. An x-ray on a doctor visit revealed a tumor about the size of a walnut, or in Disney terms, about the size of one of Gaston from Beauty and the Beast's testicles. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it being the 60s, the doctors were like, well, let's take that fucking lung out, I guess. <laughs> After the surgery, Disney was allegedly really concerned with his shortness of breath, to which the doctors said, yeah, we took out your fucking lung. <laughs> But the real problem was that the cancer had already spread and was in his lymph nodes and other places. So, mm. you know, basically the highway system for everything. For yeah. You. The next set of treatment was chemotherapy, which was much rougher back then, honestly, uh, and cobalt x-ray exposure. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, treating cancer in the 60s was medieval almost. Wow. Goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That just sounds wicked. I mean, it sounds like radiation. It is. Yeah, it that's is. what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like when you get x-rays and stuff like that, just without the jacket on. It's just it, back then, like, it's funny because all the movies that show someone going through cancer treatment is sort of what the treatment was like back then, where they're bald and vomiting everywhere and stuff like that. And like just and then I had a friend uh, that passed away. He had cancer and his treatment. He didn't lose any hair. I mean, he obviously wouldn't feel great, but sure. they've come a long way with like chemotherapy and also like sort of treatments to offset the nausea and, and all that stuff. But it's it was absolutely brutal back yeah. in the 60s. So Walt sure. Disney was feeling it. This regiment would be difficult on anyone, but really just uh, crushes a chain-smoking mouse. No chance. No. The longevity of a stage 4 cancer patient in the 1960s was about as long as one of those AM radio pop songs of that era. You had about three minutes to live oh, wow. <laughs> once you caught Lights stage. Out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not, a, not a, a great diagnosis at the time. And a lot of times they didn't even know. So like you were pancreatic dead. cancer yeah. these days, like stage four. Oh yeah, pan- oh yeah, pancreatic cancer. Because the thing with pancreatic cancer is they usually don't catch it until stage four. Yeah, it just is dormant. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah. By the time they get it, it's just too late to treat. Yeah, yeah. got my grandma. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure did. Yeah, did. got my grandpa. Yeah, got a friend of ours, uh, his uh, grandma-in-law, and it was real fast, mm. like a month. Diagnosis, yep. boom, gone. Yep. Wild. That's. I mean, I went in because I was, you know, having some issues, and at thirty-five, I had, you know, uh, early polyps yeah. for that. That where the guy was like, if you had come in at fifty-five or sixty, I'd be giving you a terminal diagnosis. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, that's it. Go to the doctor, get your checkups. You know, maybe don't smoke seven packs of Chesterfields in a day. Use more than one <laughs> match a day. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Didn't work out for our friend Walt Disney or John Wayne. Yeah. Although, oh yeah, the John Wayne one. Oh yeah, Pilgrim, take out half my lung. He I still forgot for about that. <laughs> he still lived for a while, though. <laughs> and he got exposed to a nuclear bomb. I know it's true. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that's right. There's no that guy should have died of cancer like 20 years before that. Tough as nails, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and though Disney tries to go back to, to work and continue life, his body unwinds, and on the morning of December 15th, 1966, he succumbs to quote circulatory collapse, which means. That his blood stopped moving through his body, I think. <laughs> Feels like that would be related to something else. You know, I don't know, the heart stopping or whatever. Call me crazy, but. The blood was circulating. Then it, it stopped. It, it just collapsed. It did. It just collapsed. And the lower extremities of his body, his gravity took effect. <laughs> Which brings us to the conspiracy. At the point of Walt Disney's death. Was there a plan in place to take his mousy body and drop it into a vat of liquid nitrogen or whatever the fuck they do in cryogenics? I don't know. We're going to find out. It's a rumor that has persisted as much as the terrifyingly powerful company that he left behind. So where did it come from? Perhaps it originates or at least is fed by Walt Disney's very real love of futurism. In the years uh, immediately preceding his death, Disney was involved in a number of projects which cemented his image as a technical innovator in the public's mind. 
Disneyland attractions such as the monorail, the house of the future, the voyage to the moon, the introduction of audio animatronic figures uh, at the 1964 World's Fair, and Disney's plan for his Community of Tomorrow, which was Epcot, which instead ended up as a place for broke white trash to drink their way around the world and puke <laughs> on their Donald Duck Crocs. That is a very accurate assessment of Epcot. It is, yep. yes. I've never been to Epcot. I've been to uh, Magic Kingdom yep. and uh, a couple other the resorts right around there, but never yeah. Epcot. And we did the whole family trip to Disney. Gosh, it was six years ago, I think. Yep. Sure. And... um. We stayed at one of the resort hotels around Disney. We didn't stay at Disney. They still had a shuttle to the thing. Sure, sure. It um, It's one of those places where if you're like one of those weirdos with like Disney bumper stickers and shit and you yeah. go, I could see it being a really cool place because it is like it's like nothing you've ever been in. It's very. Yeah. Um, the hotel itself. No, the, 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 the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, 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 the yeah, Magic yeah, Kingdom. Like you get there and everything <clears throat> is perfectly in place there's no mosquitoes which yeah, is weird yeah yeah um yeah just all kinds of little weird stuff kind of happening all over the place yeah. um it's wasn't for me no um i liked universal studios across the way a little bit better just because mm -hmm. the rides were way better yeah sure um but yeah disney in and of itself like those disney freaks are like i don't get it man it, they they freak me out they a lot. fucking love yeah. disney yeah and i'm like as an adult i and i guess i shouldn't call them the disney freaks but i will yeah, I, I don't know how I don't to put them. Fanatics, that's yeah. no fun. Yeah, no, there. you have to be, in my mind, you have to be a very strange person to be a full-grown adult and still... And have, like, the family of yeah. mouse heads on your car, yeah. like the yeah, bumper sticker get... tag. Or and How yeah. much fucking money do you have to right? just constantly Good go Lord. back there? Yeah. You can take a trip to another country for cheaper than that. A, a, a cool country, too. Yeah. I'm not even talking about, like, you know, some terrifying third-world place where you may get stabbed. I just don't get it. And and And, and, and like, the people that, like, it's they they have a, their entire life is an experience with Disney because they loved it as a kid. They end up going and like working in Orlando for a summer, yeah, yep. or whatever, being like goofy or some shit. I don't know. And then as adults, they're just. I mean, thank God my parents weren't into that shit because I. I mean, we went. We so in in L A. Of course, in Anaheim, you have uh, Disneyland. We went to Disneyland all the time because it was like Six Flags. Like sure. I had, when I had you my, live there, that's you know that's yeah. where you go. Yeah, we did you had Knott's Berry Farm, but we went to Disneyland all the time. I went for like my sixth birthday, I remember, and it was just like a really common thing. So <clears throat> as a teenager, when my parents were like, "We're taking you to Disney World," well, they were like, "But we don't have a whole lot of time because then we're going to your uncle's. You get to pick one park to go to." And me and my sister were like, "Magic Kingdom." And my parents were like, uh, you sure about this? You don't want to do Epcot or something else? Universal? We were like, we were like fuck you. Yeah. Magic Kingdom. And then Magic Kingdom is just Disneyland. It's the same fucking yep. thing. Yep. Literally identical. Yeah. At the front of it is uh, it looks like Everything identical. is identical. My dad was like, fucking idiots. I told you. I've already seen this shit. I went back later on to Epcot is when I was like 21. And uh, it is just a place where people get fucking hammered. And they're like, yeah. I've been to Japan yeah. and Mexico. <laughs> Did you try that German beer? Oh, man. Hell yeah, dude. You ever hear about that shit? It's called Heineken. <laughs> oh, and they're like, no, no, no. That's actually. In a man. Stein. Yeah. No. It's a strange place. Disney freaks are weird. Uh, if you like Disney, then that's your own thing. I don't. I mean, I, I hope you're happy with that. But I, I do look at you as a strange person. <laughs> I will say that. We went uh, back in like 2019 and they did create the most magical experience I've ever had at an amusement park. And I love amusement parks. You know, we went to Six Flags a lot. Mm. I'll agree with Randy. I liked Universal more. But when we went to, uh, and I think this is something that Walt put into place, mm -hmm. um, we went and my daughter was like six or so. And so she got to ride her first real roller coaster, which was Space Mountain. Space Mountain's cool. 
and we did the fast pass to it because we were with a group of you know all of our family. We did the fast pass. We came like right in, walked straight on, and um, we ride the ride. And we get off the ride. We just gotten off, and like my daughter was pumped, and she was like, "That was awesome!" And yeah. I was like, "How'd you like your first ride?" She was like, "It was awesome." She was like, "Can we ride again?" Yeah. And they've got the little timer like clock down right there, where it's like, if you want to ride again, this is how long it's going to take. And it said ninety minutes, and I was like, "Oh, babe, that's like a whole Disney movie. We yeah. would have to wait in line." <laughs> she was like, "I don't care." I'm like, "All right, cool. Well, let's just go talk to your mom real quick." But yeah, yeah we'll do this. And sure as shit, right then a Disney employee steps out of like the shadows and it's like, would you and your daughter like to ride again? And then we were like, yeah, of course. And yeah. she was like, right this way. And we went like back around like this back corridor yeah. and went like up what what I call like Walt's grandkids entrance. Yeah. And yeah, she was like, just go up to the top of the uh, stairs and there's this big uh, door waiting for you. Yeah. It looked like a like Rapunzel door or some huh. kind of like castle door. And we knocked on it and they opened it up and they were like, right this way, little princess. And, oh, yeah. you know, brought us right up to the front. Like everybody was like, who the hell is this? Right. Like VIP coming through. Yeah. We got to ride again for a second time. So apparently they're allowed to like employees once a shift at the roller coasters and stuff can make the magic happen. Mm -hmm. And that's what part of what creates that kind of like uh, yeah. here I am talking about a roller coaster that I read like five years ago sure. at this point yeah good thing they don't hire me at disney because i would pick the one that looked like he has heart problems be like you want to go again <laughs> <laughs> come on old man yeah it's not his family or anything he's like i wasn't even lying for the ride doesn't matter come with me come on when you wish upon a star <laughs> yeah i know. gotta love the uh, rick flair line space mountain Oh, oldest yeah. ride longest line yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> space mountain was cool when in fact when we did go to disney world and at that time, I was too old for the rest of the bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride can fuck right off. So we just went and did Space Mountain about 12 times. And my dad was like, I fucking told you guys. Morons, we could be at Epcot getting hammered in Mexico right now. Didn't happen that way. All right, so 1966, he's dead. But it's also around that same time in 1964 that a man named Robert C.W. Edinger wrote a book titled the Prospect of Immortality, which became surprisingly popular. In this book, Edinger discusses the practical, legal, ethical, and moral impact of freezing and reviving human beings. Although Edinger admitted that they were fucking way off from a practical application of the technology, he did believe that a means of reanimation would eventually be found. In the book, he states, The fact. At very low temperatures, it is possible, right now, to preserve dead people with essentially no deterioration indefinitely. The Assumption. If civilization endures, medical science should eventually be able to repair almost any damage to the human body, including freezing damage and senile debility or other cause of death. Hence, we need only to arrange our bodies after we die, stored in suitable freezers against the time when science may be able to help us. No matter what kills us, whether old age or disease, and even if freezing techniques are still crude when we die, sooner or later, our friends of the future should be equal to the task of reviving and curing us. So... It was a thought process at the time throughout the 50s and 60s. They were really getting into, uh, like I said, freezing techniques with stuff like liquid nitrogen and, you know, stuff that would super, super low temperature. And uh, yeah, think about how this would play out. Mm -hmm. And I'm just envisioning, imagine 100 years from now, we're yeah. so tech forward from where we're at now. Right. And they figure out how to do this. Mm -hmm. 
And they start unfreezing a bunch of fucking dudes that they're are like anti-Semitic. Oh, dude, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So, hey guys, how you doing? And they're yeah. like, who the fuck yeah. did we just unthaw? Yeah, I've do, got twelve billion dollars. They're like, not anymore. You don't. <laughs> yeah, Your family spent it. Yeah. Uh, but then they do one, and they're like, you know what? I think we're good here. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to unthaw anybody else. No, no, no. They would start harvesting their organs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can use that now. Hey, look at that. Oh, Disney's lungs. Fucking toss that shit. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> John Wayne's liver and lungs. Oh, yeah. nope. I'm going to pass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's a, that's an excellent thought, honestly. <laughs> All right. But let's be honest. Like At this time in history, just post-atomic age, the public was dumb as fuck and super willing to believe in the magical powers of scientific speculation. Remember, at this time, nearly every comic book hero derived their superpowers from either a massive dose of radiation or chemical poisons. This is a fun way of saying that the common man at this time was pretty fucking clueless about the science behind this type of stuff. So if you're like, hey, we can freeze you and get you back to life later on, they're like, fuck yeah, let's do it, dude. Take this massive dose of radiation. They were trying to build cars that had like nuclear reactors. <laughs> I swear to God, the atomic age is the weirdest thing ever. And it stems from... Us dropping a bomb and killing hundreds of thousands of yeah. people all at once, and then people be like, huh. "Fuck yeah, science, <laughs> science, bitch!" Yeah. And the whole time, science was like, "Told y'all, yeah, fucking now you now you recognize." Oh yeah, they, they didn't. They were yeah. like, "Yeah," they were like, "Oh cool, hey, let's all go out to Vegas and watch this fucking nuclear detonation." <laughs> Nature pulled out their fafo. Yeah. yeah, a lot of them did, except for John Wayne. He survived yeah, that's it. Right. <laughs> Uh, Holy cow. (laughs) (laughs) Now, even though Edinger's book was pretty popular, do we know if Disney even read it? Nah, not really. There's no definitive evidence that Disney read the book or even had an interest in cryogenics at all. So where was the first mention of Walt Disney turning himself into an eternal popsicle? Pretty quickly after old Walt tucked himself in for a dirt nap, actually. In early 1967, a few weeks after Disney's death on December 15th, 1966, I said, a reporter for a tabloid, keyword tabloid newspaper called the National Spotlight claimed he had snuck into St. Joseph's Hospital in Burbank directly across the street from Disney Studios where Disney was treated for his final illness. As the story went, the reporter disguised himself as an orderly, broke into a storage room, and saw the deceased Disney suspended in a cryogenic metal cylinder. Oh, so he's kind of like uh, the alien from Alien Autopsy or, or from a... Independence Day. Yeah. Down there. And well, I just like the story about how he broke in dressed as an orderly and like made it all the way up there. Yeah. You guys remember this is Pil- Fat Boys. Di- yes. Disorderlies. <laughs> Disorderlies yes. was a movie. You have Disorderlies. To be, yeah. you, have, you would have to have been a young teen or a child yep. of the mid to late 80s to yep. understand this reference. <laughs> there was a movie with a rap group called the Fat Boys. The Fat Boys. And it was three fat black guys. I think there's one fat white guy too, but either way, really? okay. yeah, there's three fat guys. Yes, and um, yeah, they were in a movie called The Disorderlies. Yeah, they were orderlies at a hospital, and you know, chaos ensues, yada yada. But yeah, when, every time I hear orderly, all I think of is the fat boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's true. And uh, they also, all the fat boys are dead now, I believe. Oh, man, and that doesn't also, surprise me. They've also been cryogenically frozen. <laughs> <laughs> That's food for Walt Disney. <laughs> I don't even have the rest of that joke. It's just there's one that's waiting there. But uh, <clears throat> in 1969, there was one fat white guy. You're right, Mike. Okay, all right. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was like that. Those are different times. You yeah, know? that's right. That was uh, 
Yeah, it was Mark, Prince Marky D, Morales, Damon, Kid Rocksky, Wembley, and Darren Buff Love Robinson. Buff Love, Buff hell love. yeah. Man, those are great rap names. You have your real name and uh, your, your, your rap name in there. Look at this. There's a picture of the Fat Boys with a gigantic pizza. Uh, in front of them, and it looks like... Uh, Miniature versions of them as the Hamburglar? Uh, prisoners eating a slice. This is a weird picture, but yeah, it's just them and food. It's like some sort of advertisement. It's their album. It's an album it cover. All and, right. and I'm going to be also honest. Uh, guys like that would barely be considered fat now. Yeah, they are right. they're, they are moderately fat boys. I moderately would, large yeah, boys. We need 21st century fat boys. And then you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I saw them at Walmart yesterday. We need like Weird Al Yankovic fat. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you watch the movies from the 80s and like the buff guys, you're like, let's get a little bitch. Yeah. Like, you got that muscle so shirt hot. on. Yeah. yeah. Now you got like Terry Tate office linebacker. You're like, <laughs> oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have been a buff guy in the '80s, maybe. You know, <laughs> you and Daniel Larusso. <laughs> Dude, that guy was built like a fucking scarecrow. <laughs> Anyways, all right. 1969, the French magazine Icy Paris. Uh, and what? It's Icy, Icy Paris. Icy Paris. Yeah, I don't. know. Maybe it's Icky Paris. Wee. Wee wee. The fat boys are not very fat. Uh, Pepe Le Pew walked with me, Mister Cigarette. Uh, and later still, the National Tattler, which, okay, great name. Uh, in the U.S., advanced the rumors by predicting Disney would be thawed out in 1975. Some went as far as to claim that his burial spot was a freezer stored underneath the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland. Oh, yeah. I have ridden there uh, at least eight or nine times, and I don't ever recall there being a space for Disney's body. It's in the vault underneath. That's man. that's true. Yeah, that's Come true, on, man. You know that. It would be way better if he was like one of the pirate animatronics. <laughs> Uh, and then there were, of course, several former Disney employees who continued to spread false stories about Disney's supposed big freeze. Then there was a book published 20 years after Walt died, and it was titled Disney's World. In the book, the guy's uh, name, his last name was Mosley, makes some of the claims that have been used time and time again to support the cryogenics rumor. For instance, he discussed the idea that, quote, the news of Disney's death was deliberately delayed, presumably because Disney's aides would have needed time to whisk his body away from the hospital to the secret cryogenic chamber before the presence of reporters made the task uh, impossible to accomplish in privacy. Mosley states, Quote, and this is where the mystery begins. It was Walt himself who had asked Roy Disney, his brother, to keep his illness secret. But the manner in which the world was apprised of his death remained surprising. In fact, it was not until hours after he was declared dead that an announcement was made. First came radio announcements. Then a curt official notice informed the press and public that Walt Disney was no more. End quote. But let's be honest here. It's 1966, not 2023. Right. The news moved much slower. It isn't all that strange that they wouldn't make a press announcement the second after Disney took his final half breath. (laughs) (laughs) We'll wait till Tuesday's news to air it. Yeah. They didn't uh, Instagram live it. Exactly. (laughs) Beep. Beep. And there it is. That's it. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm dead. Like when you see those uh, horrible uh, like Instagram things where they're taking pictures of themselves with their dead grandmother oh, and they're like, yeah. grandmama just passed away and they're making like duck lips. Like <laughs> it's, it's a disaster. I'll fucking, I will haunt your ass if my grandkids are getting haunted if they ever do some bullshit like that. Yeah. But I said, uh, I, I just don't see much in the way of a smoking gun there that they announce his death a couple hours later. Who gives a fuck? Uh, and when Mosley makes the claim about Disney's fascination with cryogenics, 
It's also from questionable sources. From a Snopes article on the matter, quote, Mosley provides no source for his statements other than to assert that Disney's, quote, closest colleagues and advisors were confident that Walt Disney eventually became convinced of cryogenesis as a viable medical process and was persuaded that even in 1966, it was possible for a human being to have himself brought back to life after death. In fact, these close colleagues, well, that's the end of the quote from Mosley. In fact, these close colleagues of Disney turned out to be a few employees on the periphery of the Disney organization who had never spoken to Walt about cryonics and were merely repeating the same decades-old rumor for Mosley's benefit. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. It's all that uh, public knocker. What was that place, that magazine called? So, <laughs> Naughty Tadler? Public knockers? <laughs> Naughty tablet. Sounds just, like something we got yeah. back when we were 17. Yeah, like, are you into exhibitionism? You're going to love public knockers. <laughs> or I was we just make, going down the game trail. and uh, <laughs> We just make it a really uh, like a fucking on-the-nose restaurant. We replace Hooters with public knockers. <laughs> public knockers. <laughs> uh, in 1993, another book is published making even more vivid claims. The book is written by a guy named Mark Elliott, and it is titled... Walt Disney, Hollywood's Dark Prince, which, let's be honest, the title kind of tells you what you need to know there. (laughs) Was Walt Disney an asshole? We'll cover that on a later show, and I'd wager that, yeah, he was probably a bit of an asshole at least. Like, we talked about the potential anti-Semitism. But Dark Prince? Come on, dude. That's some Hal Lindsey satanic panic sounding (laughs) shit right there. Disney? Yeah. The Dark Prince? Prince? Did did Ron DeSantis write this book? In the book, Elliot claims, quote, Disney's growing preoccupation with his own mortality also led him to explore the science of cryogenics, the freezing of an aging or ill person until such time as a human body can be revived and restored to health. Disney often mused to Roy about the notion of perhaps having himself frozen, an idea which received indulgent nods from his brother, end quote. The trouble is, Elliot never even cited the source for that information. So who said it? Who knows? Probably just Mark Elliott, honestly. Right, yeah. But aside from the questionable biographies, let's address some of the other big claims from those claiming Frozen Walt is out there somewhere just waiting to be resurrected like Entertainment Jesus. <laughs> Some claim that, quote, the cause of Disney's demise was never formally announced. And that's just not the case. Uh, while the death was initially announced as being from, quote, again, acute circulatory collapse, <laughs> yep. as I mentioned earlier, this is just a statement that his heart stopped Which is true, obviously. Uh, That's what primarily killed Disney. Your heart stopping. Right then. (laughs) But his heart stopped because of the cancer, which at the moment of death is is of secondary importance in medical record keeping. Mm -hmm. So... They're not going to be like cancer killed him. It's his, your heart stops or, you know, there is a thing now on death certificates that has like preceding causes yes, that yeah. you'll list all the yeah, stuff. Sure. Yeah. Pulmonary embolism, yeah. some crazy shit like that. But you know, your heart stops 1966. They're like, got him. That's it. <laughs> uh, then there's the claim that Disney's funeral services were held in secret. And this is also from the Snopes article. I found Disney's funeral was not secret. Rather, it was private. Conducted quickly and quietly at the Little Church of the Flowers in Forest Lawn Cemetery, Glendale, at 5 p.m. on Friday, December 16th, the day after his death. No announcement of the funeral was made until after it had taken place. No associates or executives from Disney Studios were invited, and only immediate family members were in attendance. Forest Lawn officials refused to disclose any details of the funeral or disposition of the body, stating only that, quote, Mr. Disney's wishes were very specific and had been spelled out in great detail, end quote. 
And that makes 100% sense. Yeah. yeah. You know, you this was, was a guy die. that was already private in his public and his real life. Mm-hmm. What is to, like, do you think he was just going to flip the card when he died? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so the fact that Disney wanted a small private funeral fits with documented evidence of Disney's relationship with death and funerals in general. The biography, The Story of Walt Disney, which is it's essentially like an autobiography in which Disney's own words and thoughts were attributed to uh, his daughter, Diane. It was written a decade before Disney's death, and it noted that, quote, Walt never goes to a funeral if he can help it. If he had to go to one, it plunges him into a reverie which lasts for hours after he's home. At such times, he says, when I'm dead, I don't want a funeral. I want people to remember me alive, end quote. So that seems to me like a guy that doesn't want a big public funeral. Yeah, yeah that or tracks. That, or that wants to die. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right? His, Getting back to the first part yeah, of the yeah, show. Yeah. Well, th- th- you can't forget his 1963 album, Notorious W-A-L-T, Ready to Die. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a... a, a <laughs> uh, Besides, according to Snopes, Walt Disney publicly stated 10 years before his death that he wished not to have a funeral. So that just seems pretty straightforward to me. There's not a whole lot there. And then there's the latest and weirdest iteration of the Walt Disney is life-sized ice cube story. In 2013, Disney released the blockbuster animated movie Frozen. Oh, yeah. I forgot about this. All right. It's the highest grossing animated movie of all time, grossing $1.2 billion within just a few years of its release. But the conspiracy theorists out there believe that the entire movie only exists to hide the truth behind Disney's founder, Walt Disney. Basically, the thought is that in order to suppress Google searches of Walt Disney freezing himself to gain eternal life, they made a guaranteed blockbuster titled (laughs) Disney's Frozen so that it would be the first thing they saw that anybody saw when they searched Disney Frozen. Wow. (laughs) They're going to have to let that go. Wow. (laughs) And while I'll admit that I love this one. I get nothing from that. (laughs) Oh, wow. That was a good one, Randy. All right. right. Take a minute. Well, I've only seen Frozen once and I hated it. Everybody knows. I I blocked it it out because my daughter watched it. it Yeah, for like, yeah. yeah. That was 2016 for me. I do know the song. Dark year. Man, I was waiting to unleash that one and I got nothing. Yeah. Sorry, I had to rewind for my funny moment. Well, <laughs> next time we'll have to get a, uh, a guest host that's a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, asshole. <laughs> we'll let her know. Uh, we'll let my daughter know. Yeah, next time nice. you come over, Randy, nice. she'll give you a <laughs> high five. Cool. And like I said, while I'll admit that I actually love this conspiracy, like for its modern spin and absurdity and being too smart by half, it feels, <laughs> it just really like feels like the definition of a stretch. So let's look at the evidence for the non-conspiracy side of the coin. And this is like, uh, this is again from the Snopes article. Despite the persistent rumors, available documentation indicates that Walt Disney was in fact cremated. Although Disney's preferences regarding the disposal of his body are not public record, instructions or provisions for his funeral and burial were not included in his will, apparently. Other publicly available material is entirely consistent with the claim that he was cremated. Walt Disney publicly stated 10 years before his death, like I said, he didn't want a funeral. Okay. That's fine. Who cares about the funeral? Right. Disney's death certificate shows that he was cremated two days after his death. The name, license number, and signature of the embalmer appearing on the death certificate as those of a real embalmer, not a fake one, who was employed at the Forest Lawn Mortuary at the time. As Bobby Embalmer. <laughs> 
And a marked burial plot for Walt Disney and other family members can be found at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale, the logistical resting grounds for someone whose cremation was handled by the Forest Lawn's mortuary. And court papers indicate that Disney Estate paid $40,000 to Forest uh, Lawn for internment property. There it is. There you go. And with that in mind, as humorous and as fun as it would be to believe that somewhere on this planet, preferably under the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland, there's a frozen solid Walt Disney waiting to be reanimated. I just feel like it's highly unlikely. So let's get final scores. Uh, Is Cryo Disney real? So let me ask this before uh, we get into final scores. Do we know anything about actual cryogenic freezing? Is that something that's even on the table today? Yeah, I mean, you can absolutely pay somebody to freeze your body in like liquid nitrogen or whatever. That's the first part of the, the, you know, that's the easy part. It's the easiest (laughs) part. But there are businesses that are doing this today. And it it actually was popularized to some extent in the eighties. I've seen actually, I remember, I think on unsolved mysteries or one of those shows like that, they went through somebody that was like in terminal illness and they decided that they were going to go ahead and, you know, go ahead and uh, make that leap because what else you got to look forward to? If yeah. they can already bring you back, then they can fix whatever brain il- illness you have. Yeah. You're just taking a long nap, you know? Now, didn't they also do this in, uh, what was that Wesley Snipes movie back in the day with Sylvester oh, Stallone? Demolition Man. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone is probably best movie. <laughs> Demolition Man is so fucking good. It's so fucking good that it's hilarious. It also was a uh, major uh, underpinning for the movie Vanilla Sky, which was actually a very good movie. Was an underpinning for it? Yeah, I mean, it was sort of like I don't want to give anything away, but obviously, like there was a there was a a, a subplot about uh, freezing yourself for later on in life and stuff uh, like that, okay. or like to be re- like reanimated later when they could fix problems. Sure, but sure. Uh, yes, but yes, Demolition Man was they they uh, they brought uh, Rocky Balboa back to life to no, fight it, Wesley Snipes. Was he? I thought he was already alive, and they brought Wesley Snipes back. Uh, they both got brought back. Oh, they later both on. got brought. Yeah, okay, and okay. it was at a time when they had had the fast food wars, and the only surviving restaurant was Taco Bell. But Taco <laughs> nice. Bell was actually like high end food. It was super <laughs> nice, and everybody was like, "Be well." And it uh, that movie is it, it. You know, when I was younger, I watched it because it was like sort of action packed. But it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's it a, really, I remember really some of the great. fight scenes too, like everything through the is food great. courts of Taco Bell. Yes, and, yeah. there's so many. Uh, I I still, besides Rocky One, it is Sylvester Stallone's <laughs> best movie. Nice. Yeah. So, all right, let's get some final scores on uh, Cryo Disney. Randy, what you got? All right. So honestly, I kind of end off where I let off, and um, I think it's a big hoax. Snopes is a very reliable source to kind of, you know, dispel a lot of the the conspiracy stuff out there. Um, And like I said earlier, we would, I think, have known about this um, had it been already, God, 60 years since he died. Yeah. And why hide it? Yeah. Why hide it? We would know by now. Somebody would know. It's a badge of honor for the guy that made like land or like the the world of tomorrow and all that Mm -hmm. shit. I'd be like. Yeah. yeah, and again, if if more than two people know, then it's not a secret. Exactly, you know? and it adds to the brand, the lure, like uh, everything. It would just, I, I think, help yeah. more so than hurt. Oh man, Carta's frozen ass around, you know? Yeah, what I mean? like, like sh- Lenin's tomb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like that dead pope in the Vatican. Like, exactly. When you're walking through the Sistine Chapel, all of a sudden you're getting. You're walking through and they're like, okay, and here's this Pope. And you look down yeah. and it's a dead little Italian guy in a case. And you're like, holy shit, that's a yeah. dude in that case. It's yeah. been there for like 60 years. Yeah. He's covered in wax and it's weird. Yeah. It is scary. Um, yeah. So I, I, I actually, I'm tilting more towards the unbelievable 
uh, side as we conclude the episode. I'm going to have this at 10.62. Ooh, is my oh, final wow. Score. So you think it's less believable than the moon landing being a hoax? I guess so. I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's where I landed. Sounded about right. All right. 10.62 for Randall. And Buddy, where are you at? All right. Buddy came in low. So let's see. I I, I thought it was going to be good, like the the lure of it and just, you know... Um, it, it seemed to track with Walt Disney. I, I I know that he was kind of like a private individual, but also uh, he was really big on the eccentrics and really put his all into Disney. Like you, you had made the comment about how um, there's no mosquitoes in Orlando or in Disney World, and that is down in basically in a swamp yeah, in Florida yeah. where there should be nothing but mosquitoes. Imagine what you're breathing in to avoid those mosquitoes. Though. Vinegar, apparently. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, they've got they and they actually um, the way that they made he had a specialist come in before they actually tracked it out mm-hmm. because he didn't want any water to pool yeah. anywhere inside the, the sure. um, theme park. Well, yeah. So that way there could be no uh, mosquitoes. It is actually a fascinating case. And when you get into like shell companies and why they do exist sometimes and they're not always total like, you know, just corporate tomfoolery was that in order for them to buy all that property in Orlando and keep it a secret so that they didn't all jack their prices up, they built like hundreds of shell companies and bought these all separately. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I buy this track. Yeah, yeah. I so, buy this track of land. And- yeah, so instead of being like, oh, Disney's coming here and buying 100 acres and everybody's nearby, they're like, fucking raise it to the roof. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, After uh, the first five are sold, yeah. you know. Anyways, yeah. Huh, interesting. So at the beginning of the episode, I would have liked to have believed that this could have been possible. and um, But here as we get to the end of it, I, I still don't even, I mean, just the thought of cryogenics is just... Makes me nervous because I remember seeing the T-1000 crumbling very quickly the first time any kind of heat or any kind of anything was thrown (laughs) at it. Yes, the T-1000, the liquid robot that has never existed. (laughs) I got to imagine there's a lot of there's a lot of like potential lawsuits from families with all of this. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think you have to sign a waiver (laughs) if you're choosing to be frozen. I would imagine. Yeah. Now, they accidentally dunk you in the liquid nitrogen. I think there's a suit there. There's something (laughs) that is actionable. But uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, from everything that I heard today on the show, I, I think everything just points the other direction as yeah. a, uh, instead of trying to um, aid in my case here. So um, I'm going to jump it up. I was originally at a 5.0 and I think for the end of the show, um, we're going to put this uh, right up there with uh, did Tupac fake his death okay. and uh, put this at a 9.45 for me 9.45 on right. the uh, believability scale. All right, 9.45 for Buddy. We got him to change his mind. Mikey, final thoughts. Okay, uh, pretty quick and painless. Uh, 10.25. It is uh, slightly more believable to me than the moon landing being a hoax, <laughs> which is honestly the only reason I brought that up because I was like looking at that, looking at the range. And what is this one here? 5G conspiracy. Yeah, yeah that's also bullshit. So, yeah, 10.25. There's a slighter possibility that Walt Disney really is frozen somewhere than the moon landing being fake, I would say. I would with agree. The, with the re- <laughs> I'm not sticking it with- to Randy. I'm just I saw when you said that, I was like, that's my mark for for that's 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 my that's my measuring stick. Dude, with the right telescope, you can straight up see the footprints of the astronauts. Yeah. Yeah. There's no telescope into Disneyland that shows us at the bottom of the uh Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean ride. No, 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 no. Be, uh, that would be bad. 
<laughs> 9.45, goddammit. Yeah, you're, again, coming in low. <laughs> the, uh, the magical experience that him and his daughter had at Disney. <laughs> really is skewing things. Yeah, yeah. All right. With a 10.62 from Randy, a 9.45 from Buddy, and a 10.25 from Mikey, the believability in the conspiracy of Is Walt Disney Frozen scores a final conspiracy court score of a 10.19. All right, 10.19. Mikey got his wish. It's going to fall right in between <laughs> the conspiracy that is there, a treasure buried behind Mount Rushmore, and the two conspiracies that both came in at a 10.5, the 5G conspiracy and the moon landing hoax conspiracy. Okay. All right. There it is. Or was the moon landing a hoax yeah. conspiracy? There we go. There yeah. we go. That's the correct phrase. Phrase that a little yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Alex Jones. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conspiracy Court. As always, tell your friends and family, if you are enjoying the show, tell them about Patreon, how to get on and get connected. We're going to send out all of your quarterly swag very soon, so be on the lookout for the next batch of stuff coming out to you. Hope you enjoy it. Post those social media pics of... Uh, where you're putting this stuff, where are the stickers at, you know? Yeah, and if you get a cool-ass tattoo, definitely post that shit. Faux show. 100%. Talk about a show shout-out. You'll get that. We'll interview you. If you get a show t- a tattoo, yep. we'll interview you on our and put it on our podcast. 100%. 100%. And we'll put it on Asshole Court. Yeah, we'll put it on the big one. Oh, yeah. wow, the biggie. Yeah. We'll put it on the biggie. That's if you it. get a tattoo, we can validate it. We'll interview you. Unless you're not funny. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll put then you we'll there. cut it. Yeah. But, oh, we're going to edit the shit out of it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't think I edit the fuck out of this show? (laughs) Hell yeah. Well, again, we always appreciate your support. We'll see you next time. Be kind to one another. We'll see you next time on Conspiracy Court. Awesome. We hope you guys enjoyed this double dose of Conspiracy Court. Like I said earlier, you too can get in on all the benefits of the Patreon club at patreon.com slash AHC podcast. We'll definitely be back with a new Asshole Court episode in a couple weeks. And until then, be kind to one another, and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court. Yeah!